Welcome to the OT lifestyle movement. This is for the occupational therapy visionaries and the ones who see things differently. We're moving our profession forward through living and leading a truly holistic lifestyle. Hey, hey guys, welcome back to the OT lifestyle movement podcast. I'm Rhiannon Crisp, occupational therapist, personal trainer, and the founder of otlifestylemovement.com. Guys, today I am super excited. We are talking to Crystal Poggioli. Crystal is based in Australia and she has been a pediatric occupational therapist for over 20 years. She has a passion for natural health solutions and childhood development. Crystal has raised her own six kids using simple natural health solutions and is a strong support for families seeking natural alternatives for their kids' difficulties. Crystal is a certified gut and psychology syndrome practitioner, also known as GAPS, G-A-P-S, GAPS practitioner, and she uses these strategies in her practice where relevant and finds that the GAPS strategies pair really well to magnify the benefits of traditional occupational therapy techniques. Welcome, Crystal. Hey, Rhiannon. Thank you for having me. Oh, it is so exciting. I love talking to you, Crystal. I always <laughs> learn so much. Thank you. Before we get into it, at the start of every episode, I love to hit the rewind button and learn a little bit about our guests so we can get a bit of a picture of where you've been and what you're doing today and what's led you to doing the work that you are doing today. So let's start there. Um, I was pretty well known as the town babysitter. I was always looking after everybody else's children and like I taught all of the young neighbourhood kids how to swim and always had a tribe of young kids around me that I was looking after. Um, so that was always one part of me was that I loved young kids and I just found them fascinating. Uh, and then also from a young age, I really had a strong passion for natural health and I just really loved anything to do with natural health and, and also fitness, really. Um, and I really thought that my working life would head in that direction, but it didn't. And I kind of ended up accidentally stumbling upon occupational therapy, really, um, which there were some parts of that that I really loved. And probably like most OTs, there were some parts that I really hated. Uh, in occupational therapy, um, yeah, I really did love paediatric occupational therapy. And I also liked some other areas like mental health OT. Um, and, yeah, I guess, you know, my working life as an OT sort of travelled along. I worked a lot in um, rural communities and schools up and down the Cape and in Canada. Also did some work in Brisbane for a while. Um, and then I suddenly had six kids of my own, which, um, you know, I, I remember meeting my husband and he used to always say to me, oh, we're going to get married one day and we're going to have six kids. And, you know, it sort of just feels like in the blink of an eye we've had them. Um, so, yeah, so I guess that patch of my life, it probably, I think that did quite possibly enrich um, me as a person and my OT journey but it also gave me a little bit of space to stop and think um, because I had 
become pretty disheartened with OT by that point. I felt really quite constrained in the roles that I was able to get work in. I enjoyed the work and I enjoyed working with those people and in those teams, but I felt like I was working with people and I wasn't actually able to even let them know about the things that I thought would really help them um, just because of the role boundaries that existed. And so I had really become so disheartened that I actually considered a couple of times just letting OT completely go and to the point where I travelled around some areas of Australia visiting sourdough bakeries because I decided that I might like to become a baker. I loved baking sourdough bread. And then I found out that you have to lift 50 kilo bags of flour at two o'clock in the morning. And I kind of just decided that it didn't really sound like that would be so much fun. So I let that one go. Um, But I did become a yoga teacher and that's, you know, I really did love that. That was a lovely thing to do. Um, and, And I guess, like I said, having my young kids, it probably just allowed me to just pause my career for a while and just take a step back and I guess in raising my own children and seeing that there were many things that were extremely effective Um, that were really natural and down to earth and often just out of the fridge or the pantry. You know, they were able to help with all sorts of problems that happened, you know, when you have kids. Um, Yeah, so I guess that eventually brought me to a point where I was, um, I guess, reflecting on my career and feeling like if there was a way that I could bring my passions together, so my passion for children and playing with children, and my passion for natural health down to earth solutions, if there was a way that I could bring those two things together, that that is something I'd completely love to do. And at, at that point when I had that dream, I remember, I remember even writing it down and just feeling like it would never be possible. Um, I felt like the jobs that were available to me, it, it would never be um, something that I could even consider using those passions or skills in those jobs and it never occurred to me that I could open up my own business and and then another OT who had been a private practice OT she planted that seed for me and and even then I just really thought there would be no demand for that kind of service and I was surprised to find that actually there there was a huge demand um, for paediatric OT but also for a service where parents could speak openly to their therapist without feeling like they were going to be judged or um, I guess even I, I guess made to feel inferior or ridiculed for any of their choices about their their child's journey whatever those choices may be and that's that's something that I would say is also very core to who I am so even if Um, parents want to make choices for their children that are different to what I would make for my own children I feel first and foremost that those parents are the ultimate authority for their children and um, it is their right to choose what strategies they're going to use on their child's journey and so you know for me personally I would say I am quite idealistic so I don't even have things like Panadol in the cupboard at home Um, And I have all sorts of other things that I find work quite possibly even more effectively, but I won't ever judge another mum who is going to choose 
medical options or Panadol or whatever it may be, whatever your whatever works for your family. I feel like it is your family. So yeah, so I guess that's how I got to be um, here with my own business, the whole child, which um, has grown over the years. Now I've got some other great therapists working with me, and we're looking for more therapists too. Um, so yeah, when I look back and reflect, I still am kind of surprised that it actually was possible to make that dream work but I'm very grateful because it means that I get to live that dream and work's very rewarding that I absolutely love what I get to do with families so yeah I love that and it's so inspiring to hear that because I know like myself and like many other OTs out there we want to combine our passion with OT, you know, our other passion, whatever that may be, whether it's natural healthcare solutions or yoga or surfing, you know, it doesn't matter, like combining that with OT. And I think that's the amazing thing about OT because it is so broad, because we are focusing on daily occupations, we can have this opportunity to take it in a way that not only serves us but also serves the client. Yeah, it's a it's actually a beautiful thing, and it's funny because now when I reflect, um, you know, I used for for quite a while I really regretted the choice to study OT, and I really wished that I had followed my passion of natural health. But it's probably only been in say the last. 10 to 15 years of my career that I've really realized what an amazing profession OT is. We're so broad. I pretty well by and large, all of the OTs I ever met meet are so supportive of people living their dreams. And it's a wonderful thing that we can incorporate that into our work. And I think that's empowering for our clients as well, because um, that's what we're ultimately hoping to bring to reality for them. So yeah. We're very lucky. Absolutely. Did you have any hesitations trying to intertwine natural health solutions with OT? Um, well, I guess because I felt like it was my own business, I, it did feel like it was a place where, you know, people couldn't tell me so much what to do. So I did like that. I would say that there are some funding bodies who are quite specific with me and they do say for our clients um, you don't have permission to use any gap strategies or any of that side of your practice. Um, so that's, that's one specific area of funding and that's due to the way they are funded that they've um, made that requirement. So I respect that. It's it's probably a little bit tricky sometimes when the clients who are funded by them are actually wanting those strategies. Um, but yeah, um, for the most part, I think it's been okay. I think, um, I think I'm careful to not step outside of what um, I feel like I'm actually qualified to give advice about. So I do often, often in terms of what I'm doing with a client, it might be that I'm referring them on to another practitioner and we're lucky to have some really great natural health practitioners in all sorts of different areas of practice locally. So I do refer on. Um, and, um, and, you know, with the GAPS work, I do stick to 
what I was trained in for GAPS, like rather than expanding into more broader nutritional approaches. So, yeah, so I try and stick to what I know, but be open so that the parents can talk about it with me and, um, you know, if they're looking for some more ideas or things that they could try or practitioners that they could see, then just supporting them in accessing that. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about GAPS. What is it? What what does GAPS entail? Um, well, I guess GAPS is founded upon, um, I guess, the idea that all of your health, so um, initially Dr Natasha explored more psychology and mental health issues, so things like ADHD and autism, um, anxiety, that that all links back to gut health and healing and sealing your gut lining will see improvements in all of the symptoms that you're experiencing. So over time, she's expanded her um, definition or that acronym to include not just gut and psychology syndrome, but also gut and physiology syndrome. Um, because over time, she really felt that it's that actually the lining and the health of your gut lining links to all health issues and healing and sealing your gut lining will see improvements, marked improvements in all health issues. And she found that out by working with people and she might be working with them related to things like autism or anxiety, but they would come back and say that their other issues um, like type 1 diabetes or epilepsy had completely resolved, um, which at that time in her career she believed it was impossible, but it was something that she was seeing was happening. So, yeah, so I guess it's just seeing that the health of the gut line is um, foundational to what we're seeing presenting before us and it is something that can be healed So um, and recover. So, um, yeah, and when I say healed, um, it's, it's probably different for different people. Um, and it probably depends on how far down that pathway they want to go. And um, so, so I definitely have seen some clients make full recoveries and then other clients have made recoveries to a level that they were really happy with and, and then they, they really um, they were happy with that. They just wanted to do it for a few months and explore it and take on some elements but not do it um, for the couple of years that you usually need to do it to to create longer-term healing. So. Mm. And I love what you touched on there and it made me think that the symptoms or the signs that people are presenting with, whether it's a behaviour in a child or the pain, the reduced range of movement, the inflammation, these are all signs and symptoms that something is not right in the body. You know, it's a red flag saying, hey, you know, this, there's something wrong here. We need to investigate. And instead of rushing for a quick fix to get some medication and to fix it up and quote unquote cure it, um, we're really diving into the root problem, you know, the root of the problem. You're finding out what it is that is causing this and triggering it and helping the body work more, work better again. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I know it can be puzzling thinking, well, how could all these different things link to gut health? But really when I started to learn about it, it was actually the first time in my whole career that what I was seeing in my practice made sense. And I, I do remember just it was like a big aha moment for me 
when Dr. Natasha explained things like, well, if your gut lining is permeable and you've got toxins or food particles going through into the bloodstream, attaching to receptor sites, they can be attaching to sensory receptor sites and creating all sorts of funny ways of processing sensory input, or they can be attaching to collagen receptor sites and creating issues with um, joint stability and ligament laxity and muscle strength and muscle tone, um, or you know, um, various other sites in the body. And if there is a toxin present versus what's meant to be attaching to the receptor site, say collagen or a neurotransmitter, the toxin will actually get to attach first. So, um, so yeah, for me, it definitely was the it was a big turning point where things really started to make sense. It, it started to make sense about why my caseload looked different to when I, when I was a young OT, like, which is about 25 years ago. Now my caseload looked really different. The kids we're seeing now, they just didn't even exist 25 years ago. So, you know, it was something that I went, okay, this, this does make sense. And it gives me hope because there's something that we can do. Um, and I do find that OT skills pair hugely well with it because I find um, that families, when they're using just gap strategies, I find they'll have a lot of recovery to a certain point. But it's then those practical ideas that um, OT can bring that they might still be needing help with. So ways to still be making toileting work, for example, or, or ways to be helping handwriting be a lot easier so that's where ot can you know gaps i would say there's a lot of healing that's happening but because of the different experiences that a child might have had in their younger years they might still be having some challenges and that's where i feel like ot definitely is the field that can address those challenges really well so yeah so in a gap session, what sort of things are you addressing with the family? What are you looking at? What are you assessing? And what, are you, what sort of strategies are you helping the families implement? Um, I do follow a lot on Dr. Natasha's um, guidelines, so the training that she taught. Um, so a lot of it is delving really deeply into the child's health history and as well as their family health history because um, your gut health is very much intertwined with the gut health of your family and um, even, even back through the generations. So you often see that there's patterns and, um, and often gut health issues. There might be one person in the family who's having a lot more um, symptoms or signs that you can see but usually there'll be gut health issues among the whole family. So we explore that um, hugely. Um, we, we also look at many other factors and that probably depends on the person, but I guess whatever really is the main concern for them, what is driving them nuts on a daily basis and what is just making life tough. Uh, and then I do also explore with them to try and figure out what's going to be a realistic pathway so there are some families who are you know really they do want to jump in and they want to figure out a plan to be getting started with the gaps protocol which is usually an 18 month to two years protocol for many people when um, so it's not a it's usually not a lifelong um, protocol it's about healing and sealing the gut lining some people are really ready to do that 
other people um, want to head in that direction and so we figure out a way that they can head in that direction. So sometimes I know there's one family um, and I made a protocol for them. Maybe it might have been four or five years ago I made the protocol and it was sort of just really heading them in the direction of gaps at their own pace. And the mum, she worked through all of those different stages and it was just before Christmas that she actually started properly doing gaps and jumped in and did it. And um, so, yeah, so some people it takes a while and other people jump right in. And I guess it's all about just being with them about where they are really. <clears throat> there are some some parents, another family who started gaps just before Christmas and the initial weeks can be a bit rocky when you start gaps and um, but once they got through that those initial weeks there were just such marked changes. Her child is a different person that's been an incredible journey to watch and amazing what um, his mum has done it but she now says to me crystal why are you not telling everybody you should be telling everybody on your caseload that they just have to do this and um yeah i guess i probably don't really it's not something i really push i know dr natasha in her clinic she basically says if you won't do gaps i won't see you but i um I guess a big part of our caseload are people who are just wanting OT strategies. And some people say to me, Crystal, I want to be able to go to McDonald's and, you know, Kentucky Fried Chicken and I don't want you to tell me anything about food. So just give me OT strategies and that's it. So, you know, and I want to be able to work with those families too. I want to respect their, their choice and their right to do what works for their family. So, Yeah, absolutely. So how do you determine which clients you're going to work with in terms of gaps related protocols do they come to you asking for this or is it something that you sort of work out along the way and and offer them um, it varies really for each family so some families we definitely do just get referrals that are wanting gap services and I am the only therapist in our practice who's trained in gaps so that will definitely be a referral that needs to come to me so we do get some of those referrals and um, locally um, the pediatricians and GPs have been really fantastic at um, supporting those referrals as being within the scope of my OT training so that's been a fantastic thing um, then the other times we'll get referrals for OT services and um, I mean I guess if I can see, like, say say some areas like anxiety, for example. Anxiety is an area that just works so beautifully with gaps. It's, it's something I've experienced with some of my own children and um, it's like watching a miracle happen before your eyes and it's so worth trying. So I will usually figure out a way to bring it up with the families that this is something to consider and I might suggest that they even just have a a read of the book or have a look at some websites just to understand the link between their child's issue and gut health. Um, so I'll just try and let them know that it's something that we can explore if they're interested, but I'm not pushy about it. Um, and I do have like a, a sort of, I guess, a more generic, um, some more generic information that I can give families who say to me, oh, can you just tell me a few ideas about of things I can do, say, to help attention and concentration or anxiety. So I 
Um, I frequently give out that generic information and the OTs working with me, they give that generic information out too. And it's really simple things um, like, you know, increasing natural good fats, um, increasing eggs, um, you know, apple cider vinegar and honey cordial, just, just really simple things like that um, that everybody can kind of, you know, most, most people could probably look at that and go, oh, yeah, I could add that drink to our family. I could perhaps think about phasing out real cordial and switching it for that cordial. So, yeah, so for some of those families, we might just do more generic information. And, and on that um, handout, it does say, you know, if you'd like to delve deeper, it's got some, some ideas or, or suggesting looking into gaps. So, yeah, so I kind of make it so that the suggestion's there. And, and I guess I probably listen to my own heart and listen to that person to make a choice about, um, you know, when to tell them or how to tell them or how much to tell them. And yeah, so it's very individual. Great. So what does a GAPS protocol look like? So you were just saying then you were offering some suggestions that will help them on their journey, but it's not the full GAPS protocol. What does GAPS actually look like? Uh, so there's definitely the dietary protocol and that, um, there's different stages of the GAPS dietary protocol and it depends on that person where they're best to start. So there's a full GAPS protocol, which is what you'd expect for somebody to be following for that most of that 18 months to two years. And some people might only do the full GAPS protocol. They might not do the intro diet, which is, um, it's a bit more of a restrictive period. It's got six different stages. So you're starting off with simple soups and broths and then just very slowly adding things in one by one. So you add in, add in egg yolks and then add in avocado, a bit of avocado and slowly walk to, work towards adding um, some fresh juice, freshly squeezed carrot juice. And, um, yeah, so it's a more intensive way of healing and sealing the gut lining. Um, and some clients will definitely need to do it so so people with um you know more significant difficulties i'd say things like autism you would almost certainly think that they may need to do a period of intro diet possibly even more than one period um so yeah so the gaps protocol will have some information about um the diet and where, where that person should start and how, how it needs to be tweaked for them. If they've got any particular issues like constipation, how it might be tweaked if that flares up a little bit. Uh, then um, it will also have some information about supplements and GAPS is really light on supplements. It's really all about using the food to do the healing. Um, and I would say that, you know, before I learned about GAPS and before I did it myself, I used to hear people say, you know, let thy food be thy medicine and thy medicine be thy food. But it never really made sense to me and I never really felt like it really happened until I did GAPS and that was really the first time in my life that I felt like I absorbed nutrients well and was truly nourished by food. So, um, so the supplements are really simple. They might be things like cod liver oil or putting iodine on your skin or um, 
or magnesium. I think just, just very, very simple things because oftentimes people with gut health issues, they're not absorbing supplements very well anyway. It's just, it's just adding more stuff to an already messy, inflamed place. And then the third part will be lifestyle factors. So figuring out ways to, um, I guess, to be supporting the body to detox and to reduce the toxic load on the body. So things like what you clean your skin with, um, trying to get some time in the sun without burning, um, just... Um, you know, I know it might sound airy-fairy to some people, although some, some probably some of your listeners, they, it won't sound airy-fairy, but things like earthing and, um, you know, considering your exposure to EMFs and things like that. So, yeah, so I guess there's, in a GAPS protocol, there'll be three main sections, the diet, supplements and lifestyle. So, mm. yeah. It's a really comprehensive protocol, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And then probably depending on that person too, I mean, like OT strategies would also be a part of that too. So if there was specific strategies related to toileting or something like that, then that would be included there as well. So yeah, so definitely it's something that's thinking about the whole picture and it's something that uh, usually clients use that protocol for years. So they'll be working through it, they'll be scribbling all over it and um, they might have some follow-up consultations with extra questions or little things that flare up and things like that so but quite oftentimes the families that do gaps um, uh, well we end up not having them on our caseload as long and as much as if they just do OT services because eventually they'll fade off our caseload which is the aim of our game really the aim of our game is for them to not need us so mm, absolutely so when you look at the clients that you've worked with how i mean what kind of what are you seeing in them like what changes do you see from when they walk in the door and from when you close the books okay um well i guess like most areas of ot um you know we set goals that's one of our things we do so whether it's with the child themselves <coughs> excuse me um or with the parents so we'll be we'll be working on goals so um a lot of our time together um if it's someone that we're seeing for a long period of time a lot of our time together it is um a relationship so you know a lot of our time together i think that person might feel like they're just coming and having a fun play and connecting time with a really good friend of theirs. I think that's what some of my clients feel like um, because we will use play, even for those older teenage kids, we use play and playful strategies to connect and to be exploring our goals and exploring their challenges. So, um, so sessions are usually quite fun. We usually do get to have really good relationships with them. A lot of our time is spent listening to them. Like I would say probably 90% of the session is really listening to them. A lot of time they haven't really been listened to very well in all of their journey. So a lot of the time they might just come and go blah and, you know, just need to really be listened to for quite a long period. Um, but, yeah, over time then 
And it might not always be the way that you expect it might happen, but they'll start to improve on those goals, you know, um, whether it is that they over time become less scared of the toilet and they're able to be closer to the toilet and you're sort of just moving in baby steps to being able to toilet independently. So it might be just kind of ticking little steps along the way um, for some of the goals or um, for other people it's just genuinely overcoming, you know, all, all sorts of things. It can be anything. I'm just thinking of a range of clients who I haven't had to see so much lately and um, one of them, she had a lot of trouble falling asleep at night and that's when a time when a lot of fears came up at night and I haven't had to see her for ages because things ended up really really resolving really well with that. Um, we work a lot with social interaction and play and so sometimes just over time you'll see that the kids will start to make friendships and they'll start to be able to be more flexible in play and take on ideas of other children in play and work things out with them. So you can just see that you can just gradually be faded out um, so yeah it's fair it's very individual and um, it's still very broad like even though it's pediatrics it it's still you know on any given day there can be a whole lot of different things that you're working on so and that's what we love about OT right <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly yeah yeah so one last question before we head to the three rapid-fire questions I yeah. want to quickly touch on the hats that you wear in your practice because I find this is a really great area for OTs and a lot of questions come up around it, particularly those who are working in natural health solutions or in life coaching or in another area as well as OT. So do you wear your OT hat and practice as a GAPS practitioner or do you hang up your OT hat and put on your GAPS hat and tell the client that, okay, now I'm providing GAPS services. This isn't OT. Is, um, do you differentiate or is, does it all come under OT? Well, it's funny that you say that because just about a week ago um, uh, we had some sessions. So I'm working with a family. Well, actually, the OT who's working with me is working with a family, and, um, but I know them well. I've worked with them before. And the mum wanted to do some gap sessions. So we worked out a session where Sarah, the OT who works with me, was able to do her play therapy session with the child and I was able to do a gap session with the mum. And I really thought that I'd be sitting down with a gaps hat on, but most of that session was really still OT. And so I think OT's actually a hat. It, it actually made me realise after that session, it, it made me think, oh, I don't think you can take that OT hat off. It's just there. <laughs> And it's such a practical, you know, it's such a practical skill where we can analyse tasks and where people can share the things that they're really struggling with. And um, it's not that we're telling them how to fix it. I guess we're supporting them to identify ways that they can improve on it. Um, so, yeah. So I think the OT hat is definitely always there. And perhaps the GAPS hat might be something that comes on and off and that probably depends more on the desires of my clients and what they're hoping to achieve and what sort of approaches that they, they'd like to use. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. So does your GAPS 
would you say fall under your scope of practice for OT? Um, well, I've been advised that it does. When I did my training with Dr. Natasha, um, I was lucky enough to be one of the few people in Australia who was able to train in person with her. And she is just amazing. It was the most incredible training I've ever done. And I, I tried to write down every single word that she said because it was just so amazing. Um, and that room was filled with 40 other practitioners who she'd selected from those who'd applied. And so there were doctors, nurses, physios, um, psychologists, nutritionists, naturopaths. So that room was just full of people of all different backgrounds. Um, and the training is really specific about her protocol. So when I got back from that and I was thinking, how can I use this in my practice? Um, I talked to um, my insuring body about it and we went through it in detail and they decided that it was in scope of practice. And so it's listed on my insurance policy. Um, and, um, and I guess I do feel confident because I still have that connection with the GAPS practitioners. We, there's, a, there's a forums that we're on that are closed forums that we can always ask each other about different clients and everybody's got different backgrounds. So we're just all supporting clients. And Dr. Natasha's active on that forum too. So, so I feel that um, from a professional point of view, I feel confident in those skills. Um, and, um, yeah, I guess I can, I can see that people from other health professions might feel threatened by that. I guess, you know, nutrition and dietetics usually kind of probably feel like they own food strategies. So... Um, so they might, I can see that they would feel like that's overlapping their role boundary, but I guess for us, we do also deal with food and there's approaches, um, to do, you know, eating is a huge issue with kids with autism. And, um, when I learned about those approaches, I often felt really frustrated because just the types of foods that were being recommended for some stages are just so terrible for your gut health. Um, <clears throat> So, yeah, I definitely feel like it is um, within our scope and really important for us to understand that, you know, suggesting some foods or working with someone on foods because of sensory aspects, you can't just forget about what happens after it gets swallowed and goes down. It does go down and, and impacts on gut health. So, so I think it's a good thing for us to know about I'm pleased that it's been recognised that it's within scope and I'm careful to just do what I've been trained in. So to stick to that knowledge base that I really have trust in and with experience, I've seen it really work well. Mm. And that's it. Like when we bring everything back to occupation, you know, is it occupation focused? Yes. You know, eating and from a health promotion perspective is really important as well. Um, and, and also you've done the extra training, you, you're competent in that training. So it's not like you're delivering all these health and nutrition advice and you, you haven't done any competency training in that area. So you have that certificate. So absolutely. I agree. Let's head to the three rapid fire questions. Alrighty. Are you ready? Uh, fire away. <laughs> Alrighty. Number one. In one sentence, how do you describe OT? I'm going to use my sentence that I tell kids when they come to visit me in my clinic. I say 
Um, an OT is the person who helps you with the things that are tricky in your life. And that could be a big range of things from not being able to do a cartwheel to having trouble with handwriting or wiping your bottom. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. Number two, what is one healthy lifestyle habit that listeners can implement today? Um, I would say the biggest thing that I think is taking responsibility for your own health. You're in charge of your health. So don't hand that responsibility over to other people and dig deep. Um, dig way deeper than what you can find on a surface Google search. You know, find some good authors, find some people who are good at what they do and know their stuff and explore deeper. Mm, oh my gosh there's always so much more to learn isn't there we're opening up a box here yeah all right number three and if you could only offer one piece of advice to OTs what would it be um follow your heart's desires and yeah OT will will continue to blossom into an amazing profession the more people who are bringing their passions into their OT work so I think supporting each other to do that and each person doing that, whatever that may be, whether it's music, art, pets, whatever, you know, just follow your heart's desires. Well, you are definitely leading the way and I'm so inspired by your work and just the courage to step out there and follow your dream and follow your passion. I think that's so powerful and I know there are so many more of us who have something burning inside that's saying, that niggling feeling saying, go do this, you know, you can do it. But a lot of the times we hold ourselves back for one reason or another, and it's usually mindset. It's usually the story that we're telling ourselves. So I'm so grateful that you have followed through with your journey because it's inspiring all of us to do the same. Well, well, probably one last thing I would say is nothing is ever wasted. So if you are feeling like you're stuck in something that's just a bit less than satisfying, it won't be wasted. There'll be something from that that will come into your journey later on. So don't feel, you know, don't feel like you've got to throw the baby out with the bathwater. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, we could have a whole other conversation around this. Oh, yeah. All right. And Crystal, how can everyone find out more about you and your work and your awesome, the whole child business? Uh, well, the best way is our website, www.thewholechild.com.au. Um, and yeah, our contact details are on there. And yeah, we'd love to hear from people. Awesome. Thank you so much, Crystal. Thank you so much for having me, Rihanna. Thank you. Bye. That's it, guys. I hope this episode resonated with you. But more importantly, I hope that it inspires you to take action. If you haven't already, come over and join our Facebook group family where we connect and collaborate. You can find us really easy just by searching the OT Lifestyle Movement in Facebook. If you did love this episode, I'd be super grateful if you shared it. You can take a screenshot right now and share it on Instagram or on Facebook so we can connect with more amazing, like-minded, open-minded OTs. The more we share the OT lifestyle movement, the more we can create a ripple effect. And if you do love the podcast, please head over to iTunes and give us a five-star review so we can be found more easily. That's it. Go out, create the epic change that you seek in the world because the world is ready for you. Carpe diem, guys.